people with so much time to just think overthink. I'm like, y'all need to find something else to do with your time. I'm sorry. Like if you are going to go down this negative spiral of attacking creators, attacking of people doing their craft, like whatever the case is, it's time that you explore your own creative interests and not attack those who are trying to be productive during this time. Welcome to our special bonus episodes where we catch up with our past guests to see how they have pivoted their lifestyles and businesses to deal with our new normal of self-quarantining. In these episodes, you will hear how remote entrepreneurs and location-independent workers are dealing with the current situation in order to thrive in an uncertain time. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some major knowledge bombs. Hey friend, have you been feeling overwhelmed looking for the right online job? Maybe you don't have enough remote skills or maybe you have no idea how to create a killer resume that will help you stand out from the crowd. I've learned that having a community of people supporting you through this process can be the deciding factor whether you make it or break it. That's why I am so excited to share that this September, we will be opening up our doors to our remote skills membership, where we teach you incredible techniques that will help you land online gigs by learning from leading experts every single month. Our membership will provide you with the skills you need and accountability partners that will help you succeed. For more information, visit learnremoteskills.com. Again, that's learnremoteskills.com. Thank you so much for being here for our special interview. I am super excited to talk to Dr. Kiona today. Hey, Dr. Kiona, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm good. I sunny outside, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you today because you always have amazing and incredible tips for people, and you have this really great awareness of what's happening around the world. And obviously, I want to talk to you about what's happening with you right now because a lot of the things that you do are online and whatever tip you can give us right now is going to be super helpful for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, not everything I do is online. A lot of the, the majority of the stuff I do is online, but I do Cuba trips two weeks out of every single month. And that I cannot do online, <laughs> I realize like, I, I've seen so many like Condé Nast and all of these other places have like digital travel experiences, but like, is it really the same? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't know if I want to visit Cuba that way. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I can't do that. And then we had like huge events with the Cuban government. We had like huge brand partnerships set for May and all of that we had to move. So we moved that to December at the end of the year. And who knows, like if we can still do it. It's just so play by ear, so unexpected, which as you know, as a business owner is anxiety inducing, but it's kind of the point where like, we just have to let it go. So basically we had to move all of our trips from April, May until later into the year. And so that's, you know, like half of my income that just kind of left. So with that, we had to make a decision like, we gave our clients the option to one postpone. You can, we can move you even into 2021 and we'll keep the same price. No cancellation fees. Usually we do have a cancellation fee, but obviously we waived all of those things. Sorry, not a cancellation fee, a move fee, or you can cancel and we will refund you all of your money except for the deposit, which is around 300, $350. Because we had to explain that with the deposit money, we were going to pay all of our employees like normal. We support 55 families in Cuba and our trips are specifically geared toward private businesses. So because Cuba is a socialist economy or some people call it communist economy, the government supports all of their people and employs all of their people. It's very, there's very little private businesses, but our tours specifically cater to the private sector where we support only private businesses who don't get government support. So without our tours, without our businesses, they're not getting money. And so uh, Unlike the other agencies in Cuba, we were like, they're like a part of my family, you know, like they are a part of me. And so I don't even see them as like employees. They have their own businesses and I just contract them. 
but still like we're so close that I couldn't imagine like letting them flounder and then try to call them back up when like I need them again. Yeah. And so we paid out all of our employees for the month of April and the month of May. But we did tell them, like, we don't know if we're going to have enough for June and July because we actually didn't have that many cancellations, thank God. So we only had, like, a small pot of money. We didn't take any for ourselves. We, like, dispersed it to everybody evenly. And they were, like, super appreciative. I mean, even just to, like, top up their cell phone minutes so they can communicate or, you know, to buy bread or whatever. And so it was a decision that as a small business owner, it was actually very easy to make because, like, we're such a close-knit business and community but to see like other companies just like leave their employees yeah. hanging and I'm like, y'all are a huge company. Like me as a one woman or like my business partner, two woman business, if we could pay our employees, like not what we usually pay mm-hmm. them, but enough for them to survive for the month, why are they not doing that? And it just seems so greedy, so selfish. Like I've definitely been looking mm-hmm. at companies who aren't looking out for their people. And I guess as a business owner, I would just say, people do care about that stuff. People care if you care about your employees. And so how you react in times of crisis is telling and will definitely like either gain you business or lose you business in the long run. Yeah, it's really interesting that you're right. There's a lot of huge businesses out there that are letting go of companies. And I'm like, don't you have some sort of money that you've put in place just in case anything happens like this? Because I mean, I do that myself. I haven't let go of any of my assistants yet. And in order to do that, I stopped paying myself because I'm like, I know I have money laid away for like rainy days. But some of my assistants like you, Kiona, it's, you know, one of them like lives in the Philippines and he's literally like, oh, can I get my salary like earlier? Because I literally have to feed my family because all of his other income has just gone down. So it's really interesting because we are struggling too as business owners, but I'm pretty sure that those big businesses have way more money to spare in the long run than we do. And that's such a shame to see. And it's so much more money that they're, that they have than us. So I don't know. Yes. It's crazy. And like you said, like as smart business women, we always stack away mm-hmm. cash for emergencies. I don't know about you, but my mom was always like, <laughs> just in case you get married and your husband leaves you. And, all. and she like, it made me watch way too many Lifetime movies growing up. But like, even that, like I grew up with like, just in case I'm left alone, like I have some sort of backup. And now that I have that backup, I'm grateful. But also I know people who don't have the privilege of even having that backup. They literally live month to month, like in survivor mode. Yeah. And also like, I don't have no kids. Like <laughs> if like th- th- these are families like with children and like, you know, mm-hmm. like pregnant women. I'm like, there's no way I would feel comfortable taking a salary when like a pregnant lady can't even get her, you know, food ration. Like I just can't. It's so. It's so scary, but I'm just glad that we are fortunate enough to have something laid out. And this is really the time, you know, they they are your community. They are people who have been helping you and making sure everything is possible. And even if you can't pay them a hundred percent, you should pay them something because it's right. it's a really hard time for everybody right now. And honestly, I feel super fortunate that we do have some backup money and I do have some clients still that are able to pay us, you know, and have that recurring income. And right now I'm giving all of that recurring income to my assistants because I'm like, you guys are making everything well, because otherwise we would go crazy without them. So yeah, that's super important. So what are some of the things that you have put in place in order to make sure that you can make it last so that you can actually make sure that your clients are happy and also the people that are working with you and for you are also able to get some sort of income right now because everyone is struggling, especially in our industry, like the travel industry, There's really nothing happening. So what have you been doing? And I know, Kiona, you are doing real estate too. So how is all of this happening? I know. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So with my real estate, basically I have multiple Airbnbs in the United States, but I also manage um, international Airbnbs as in like, I'm not the owner because I know people are like, Airbnb is the devil. Well, 
that's only if you buy the properties and you're not supporting like the local community. So the properties I manage international, I do not own. They have their own owners. I just take a fee for management and then they get customers like a hundred percent of the time. So they're totally happy with that. And actually I always offer my international clients like a, a teaching lesson. I'm like, okay, I can turn this whole management thing over to you once I set it up, if you would like to. That way you're you're managing the business 100% and literally never do they yeah. want to do it themselves. They always want me to do of it. Of course. So, Why should they? They're like, we don't want more work. <laughs> I know. They're like, uh, we get paid way more money than we were before. Like, you can do it. It's fine. But yeah, so that's what I do. But our international properties, there is 0% business wow. <laughs> right now. Zero. And it kind of like freaks me out for them because I mean I just text them like every week to make sure like I'm like do you need money do you need money but it's funny they're more worried about me being in America they're like your country is infested (laughs) like there's no way like you should save onto your own money like who knows like please be safe and so it's actually really really sweet but it does freak me out because I'm like you know one family that I that I manage is a family of eight and they completely operate off of their international property business and I'm like um, if we have zero customers, what's going to happen? And the really messed up thing was that Airbnb installed a 100% cancellation policy for all clients who canceled due to COVID-19, which was, I believe, the worst decision they could have possibly made. Like, I understand the times, but also they have no idea what hosts are going through. Mm. And so, you know, though at least even like a 50% where it's like, okay, a client cancels, like the host. And like, not even for me, like I had like thousands of dollars that got canceled. And I mean, granted, I can survive, but they really can't. And so I don't think that they thought, I think they were like very like American centric thinking like, oh, Americans are fine. But they didn't realize that like their international hosts like cannot survive off of like 100% cancellation policy. Like that's insane. You can't override people's business models. And so I think that they learned their lesson. They started giving 25% of the cancellation money back, but it's really not enough. Well, lucky for them, like their governments aren't requiring rent. They're not requiring things. They have their own sort of concession. So they're still surviving, but yeah, I don't know what the future is for that business. Like I have no idea if they're going to get clients in, you know, whereas here in Austin, I kind of pivoted from short-term rentals to long-term rentals. So I have like, you know, long-term renters and at least I'm not making as much, but I'm making something. I'm not even breaking even, but you know, I'm (laughs) making enough to pay bills. At least it's not a full loss um, for you. So that's a good thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I think pivoting is really important also, but yeah, real estate is tough right now or especially international real estate. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I do have to say for real estate in general, there are opportunities right now to in real estate and in anything, right? In any type of business, if you look hard enough, there's a lot of different opportunities. So what do you think are some great opportunities that you have come across right now, Kiona, and other things that maybe people can do in order to supplement their income? Because that's what we all need to do. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I, I've been trying to pivot. So just making everything digital. So instead of having like, I do a lot of like travel for education in real life in Cuba, instead I'm trying to create downloadable digital products that like people can adapt for their homeschoolers or packets that they can learn at home, whether it be for adults or kids about, you know, trips I've taken or lessons I've taught online. And that way it's like a easily accessible and affordable product, like a $9.99 product rather than a $1,500 product to go travel somewhere. Instead, you could travel at home through a PowerPoint, through a booklet, but it's actually educational from expert. And it's really just readapting all of the material I've already taken. So I'm not doing anything new. I'm just like readapting what I've, my trips and lessons I've taught. So that's what I'm doing in my business is just pivoting from like real life education, high dollar products to like small, affordable, but like can be bought in mass. 
I don't know if that answered your question. No, those are really good ideas too, because it's still within your brand and what you're doing. And it's also affordable for people to buy right now, especially if you're really reaching for money, but you also want something that's going to take you out of what's happening right now. And I think that's why most of us are like watching everything on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, everything, because you also need to think about something else. Otherwise, we're all going yeah. to go nuts. And I love that Kiona is also doing these awesome stories that one of them we were talking about before we did the interview. You've been really allowing people to feel like it's okay to go out sometimes, especially if it's a hike. You know, you're not around a lot of people. You get to be around nature. And that is really good for everyone's mental health. So I kudos to you for that, <laughs> Kiona. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to get people outside at least once a week, but mostly whether it be a hike or a work outside, as long as you're catching sun rays for like five to 15 minutes, more for, you know, people with melanin. <laughs> but um, that way, vitamin D is so important for our immunity. And I think that that hasn't been communicated by our government, which a lot of things haven't been communicated by our mm -hmm. government. But if we don't have baseline vitamins for our hormones, because vitamin D is a hormone base, like that causes depression, you know, that causes like a decrease in immunity that causes a lot of things because literally you have a deficiency in a vitamin it's really hard to get it through food. So it's something you definitely have to get from like get, being outside. And so um, I've been trying to, and it's like the simplest thing, like just go outside. It's like a form of travel, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, travel around your block or travel around your lake or whatever the case is and just get outside just to catch some rays and like boost your immunity and just forget about things for like an hour, you know? So I've been trying to do that and encourage people to do that, which actually has been really, really, really successful. Like people are sending in hikes. So basically I'll post my hike and be like, okay, wherever you are in the world, post your hike so we can travel to you. And people are sending in hikes from New Zealand, England, Uruguay, uh, Uganda. Like it's amazing because I'm like, dang, I didn't know like Iowa was so pretty or, <laughs> you know, or Idaho or one of those I states <laughs> or like places that I've never been. Then I realized like, oh, I didn't even think about that place. So it gives me like something to look forward to and also like a small escape while we're at home. So one of my friends and I were talking about this because I'm Asian and non-white and I love to hike. And she's like, why? Only white people hike. I'm like, I love to hike. No. <laughs> she's like, you don't see brown people hike. I'm like, yeah, that's why we need to do it more. <laughs> okay. So I'm wanting to ask you, why is it that you see more white people more than anything hiking and brown people you barely see except like maybe Asian people? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> that, that's a really like convoluted question, but I think that I think historically outdoor spaces haven't been safe spaces, especially for like Asian Amer generational Asian Americans, Latinos and black people. I mean, lynching, lynching is a real issue, especially in like places like Oregon where the KKK is based. So to see, you know, it's, it was actually dangerous to do that, especially like, you know, sunset towns were a big thing in the United States where like, if you were, out at dusk like it was free game to like murder a person of color mm. and that wasn't that long ago and so when you're taught to stay home don't go outside don't go into the woods yeah. because somebody <laughs> could murder you you know and that's passed down like yeah times and laws have changed or maybe who knows if times have really changed but at least laws have changed but like that generational knowledge of being like, don't go outside. Why are you outside? Why are you in the woods? That's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's um, passed down. You know, yeah, it's passed yeah. down. And then you, it's like been. It's it takes some time to unlearn that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Like I always have. Well, I was born and raised in Hawaii, so yeah. I was like always outside. Like when it's it's a totally. It's not applicable to the mainland. Like I could just leave my house at like nine a.m. and not return. <laughs> home and like be like playing in like palm trees and shit and my mom wouldn't care but that was not that's not okay here like <laughs> she would never let me do that um so I think it just is location based but like especially people in cities where like parks aren't a big thing being outdoors isn't a part of the lifestyle I can see that being passed down and like 
you'd have to like consciously like undo it. And also I feel like the words are so inaccessible, like hiking yeah. or trail running or I'm like, you mean running outside? Like I've been doing that forever. Walking. What are you talking about? Walking, yeah, walking? for a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, we don't call it that. You know, like I don't call like that in my culture, or in my home. Like we just call it like, oh, we're going for a walk. Yeah. It's not like my mom was never like, oh, let's go for a hike, you know? <laughs> and we never, like, bought, like, specific hiking gear or specific hiking shoes. It was like, you put on your Nikes and yeah. you, like, go outside. I have friends who go hiking. It was so funny. So one of my friends and I were in Central America and we go for a hike and she was wearing flip-flops and she's like, this is the most comfortable shoe wear I have. So I'm not going to wear sneakers because I would rather, like, hike in flip-flops. So... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Indigenous peoples like in Peru and like other places around the world hike in bare feet or they hike with chaglas, you know, yeah. like just sandals. It's like not abnormal. And actually I was, um, I did a, I did a hike. <laughs> I did a walk, I did a walk in Mexico recently. And we were visiting these like pools, uh, they were like, they looked like moonstones and it was because like the ring of fire, like this, this fire is underneath the, the water. So it changes the water color. I don't know. It's really kind of cool. But anyway, our guide was like, take off your shoes. You cannot wear shoes on this hike. And we were like, um, we're like going to the jungle. So, and he was like, we have forgotten to connect to the earth in that, like, we never used to wear shoes all of the time. And it's like really important that your skin touches the earth so that like you understand that you're connected to it and that it also like rejuvenates you as well. And I think it's something that, I, you know, in Hawaii, I actually didn't own a pair of shoes until I was 10, like moved to the mainland. So I was like very, very used to being barefoot. If you're Asian Pacific Islander, you always are barefoot yes. at, the, at the house. So you're very comfortable with that. And maybe that's why Asians feel more comfortable going outside. But being barefoot, I think, reminds you what you're connected to even if it's not consciously yeah I think also when I was growing up in the Philippines there was a lot of nature and then like you either swim in the ocean or you walk in the woods and like you climb trees that's just how it is yeah and yeah we were barefoot a lot and it was actually weird to wear shoes and you didn't get used to shoes until later on like you Kiona it's yeah it's so strange but also I think you're right it's I think people are making hiking and like, uh, as you said, walking for a long time, super fancy now. Like it's just and also the fact that most of the time with us, we use it as like it's a way of life for a lot of people. It's like either for them to go to school or to work like it's not for leisure to just enjoy. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But if you are able to hike and you're, you know, you're not white, do it because we need more of you out there just to prove that shit wrong. So <laughs> yes, for sure. And actually it's crazy. And during quarantine and I hike with my friends and we always count like how many POC to white ratio we have out there. I don't know why I do that. I just always do that. It's a guess, right? Like it's not like scientific, but honestly, there's been so many families out. And I was like, you know what? This is so good. And I ha that I usually don't see that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they're like, oh, let me get these kids outside because they're driving me insane inside. And it's like kind of encouraging them to like reclaim their parks, reclaim nature, reclaim like being outside in the space. And so I think that's really cool and helpful. And, and including myself, like I just had a picnic the other day or we've, we've been having picnics every Saturday where if each person has their own blanket, but we never did picnics before this. Yeah. I feel like we're so much more connected to the people we love. And I have to say, honestly, too, like I am more connected with the people that I really care about now than I was before. And I also don't like put any more time with people that are just wasting my time because I'm like, I'm already in quarantine. It's already a mess. Like it's already a downer for everybody. So why should I put that effort in somebody that I don't really give a shit about? So <laughs> I'm like exactly. prioritizing now, you know, this is it. Like if this was our last days, where would I want to spend it with? Like with who? Like people I actually care about. So it's it's yes. kind of liberating in a way because I'm like, I have an excuse to just ignore people I don't give a shit about. 
Yeah, you have an excuse to say, no, it's fine. I can't. I'm social distancing. (laughs) You know, Um, but you know what else this has taught me is how people display their fear or handle their fear and like the exacerbation of mental health issues. Like I have had such, I mean, we're all have anxiety. We're all scared for various other reasons. Like, for example, I'm not actually scared of the virus Mm -hmm. itself. I'm scared of giving it to somebody else and being responsible for that. But I'm mostly scared about like people. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking to um, one of my salsa instructors and I was like, okay, well, Cuba is set to open in June. Like, but do you feel comfortable like interacting with American tourists? Because that's important to me. Like, how do you feel? I don't want to like force you into a job that you don't want to do. Or like, if you know, you need to protect your health. And he was like, you know what? Like, I it's my passion. I love like a huge part of me wants to do it just because I'm also craving connection. But another part is like, I have a family at home. Like, am I going to bring a disease back to them? And like, I totally understand that like train of thought, and I think that that's responsible. But also, I'm like, are we going to turn into a society that's like scared of the next person? Like, never have I ever, and still don't look to the, my person to the next to me in the airplane and think like, oh, this person is diseased. I better like get away from them. Like not ever. It's like, oh, do you want to, and I'd rather like give them antibacterial, you know, things that we can share and still like have a conversation with them than to be like disgusted by them or like live in fear of like, you know, getting a disease from the next person. And so it makes me sad that that's kind of how like mentality is changing. Yeah. And I like, don't want it to go that way. So that that is my, I would say, biggest fear and that people are going to be more disgusted with each other. Mm-hmm. Even with the whole Chinese virus, you know, people are in general like disgusted with Asians. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, is this going to be a huge like race war? Like, is it going to cause a bigger problem than the virus itself? Yeah. And that is my fear. So I think we're all feeling fear in different ways. And we're seeing how people are dealing with it. Like for me, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm either just going to lie in bed or I'm going to work until I can't think anymore. And so I'll just like start working and I'll work and I'll work. But other people, like I've seen so many people attack each other online, Mm. be so rude online. I myself had to like file a police report for harassment. And I'm like, it's just, this is not normal behavior and I don't want to blame it on the person, but rather the situation. But ultimately like we are responsible for ourselves and our behavior and our actions. And it's becoming so toxic, like unbearably toxic sometimes, especially for people like us who already have anxiety and are already thinking about, you know, like trying to take care of like a whole community of people. And then you also have to deal with people, people's mental issues being exacerbated through this, entire thing so yeah I think it's becoming more acceptable too it's like you think it's okay for you to just troll someone and verbally abuse someone because they're doing something that you don't feel like is right and I think it's becoming so much like we judge people so much and then we start attacking them. I mean, you get this a lot, Kiona, you know, even before coronavirus. But now it's gotten to a point where that's crazy that you had to file a police report. I mean, nobody should ever have to do that. And I think we need to look at ourselves first before we start doing that to other people because I'm pretty sure you're not perfect. So, um, yeah, and just... Honestly, I'm like, mind your own business. I'm pretty sure everybody has their own demons right now. And also, I don't like the fact and I've had someone do this to me like they're super stressed out and they start taking it out on other people. And I'm like, you need to stop because this is not the other person's fault. You need to calm down and really look at what's happening right now. And you need to fix you, not blame it on other people. So there's been a lot of that happening. So it's, it's yeah, really I mean, crazy. people with so much time to just think, overthink. I'm like, y'all need to find something else to do with your time. I'm sorry. Like, if you are going to go down this negative spiral of attacking creators, attacking of people doing their craft, like whatever the case is, then like it's time that you explore your own creative interests and not attack those who are trying to be productive during this time, you know? And it's just so easy to write it online, but those things are super hurtful. Like I had lost a whole work week dealing with my situation. So 
I think that the verbal or online attacks are becoming so easily accessible and so rampant and so accepted. And it's like making me scared. That's like really making me scared. So how do you deal with that, Keone? Because you deal with this a lot, right? And I've said this before. You've dealt with this before. But what about now? How do you continuously deal with it and be mentally okay at least after a while I mean I don't know I mean you look like you're fine but it's probably not when you're alone but for other people who have gotten this and it's new for them and they don't know how to deal with it you know what what should they do in order to get past this and still create something and still be who they are without feeling like there's somebody always out there like telling them that what they're doing is wrong and they can't be who they are yeah for me, my support groups have like gotten me through everything. I think I'm part of like a couple of group chats and like I'm where it's a safe space. I can say things, how I feel, work out my own thoughts. Like my own thoughts aren't always formed correctly. And like they help me kind of figure it out. And, and if I did do something wrong, they would tell me if I didn't, then they're like, no, this person is out of line. And that like to have a peer. And that's another thing. Not everybody online is your peer. Like this is why I'm doing this and you're doing that. You know what I mean? So you're not my peer. You're not a doctor. You haven't gone through 12 years of school. You haven't managed an online platform with 3 million views a week. You haven't, you know, tried to create content that is like literally intersectional and international. So if that's not you, then you're not my peer. And I don't really need to listen to you because there's a lot of learning that goes into doing content like that. And so I've literally had to take myself out and be like, Kiona, is this person your peer or not? Is there, are they coming into this conversation with as much education and not just formal education? I mean, like, you know, world education, do they have a good grasp of like, you know, how the world operates, not just in their one community? Are they aware of other people's struggles and what they go through and things like that? And if we're not coming in at the same level, like these are not things that you need to take to heart. And as somebody who's an empath and who doesn't really want to hurt people's feelings, even though I hurt people's feelings all the time, (laughs) um, it hurts me because I'm like, am I, I don't want to do, I don't want to make people be triggered by my content. And then I'm like, okay, this person is going to be triggered regardless, whether it's my content, the next person's content. So I think for other people, I would just say like, reflect, is this person your peer? Are they coming in at the same level as you are? Are they trying to have a conversation or are they telling you what it is? And at that point, it's like, you make the decision to like, let it go and like, not let it occupy space in your mind or take it to your support group. And be like, okay, let's talk about this, what's going on. And like feeling like compassion and love and empathy from like my support group has kept me going, even though sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to delete everything. And like, I never want to see anybody again. Yeah. Well, also because you have this platform where you are talking about things that are a lot of it is taboo, right? And a lot of people don't want to talk about it or they don't know how to talk about it. And I feel like you have a lot of people that go into your platform, especially like in social media that just do it so that they can get attention because they know they will. And I think they take that and they know what's happening. So you're always going to get people who are going to be trolling and they're just saying things just to get attention towards them. So you also you know like what Keanu was saying like you have to know if these people are even worth your time to be worried about because otherwise it's just gonna drive you nuts and I know a lot of creators like you Keona, you care so much and that's why you have this voice that people are really listening to and if you have something similar to Keona or you're on the way to do that I mean it's a huge responsibility and you have like hundreds of thousands of people like listening to you and have opinions of their own. And most of the time, maybe they're not going to agree to it, but it's that respect. I think that's the word. It's respect, right? Because we all have our opinion, but some people just don't have that and they don't have boundaries, which is really shameful. Yeah, it really is. And and ultimately, like, inst- I think people don't get like Instagram is not a peer review journal. Um, <laughs> it is a completely opinion based platform. So everybody's going to have their different perspective. Everybody's going to have a different opinion. You know, information I published last week might not be right today. So, and that's, and like, even in COVID-19, you're seeing that play out. Like what I published about it, you know, a month ago is not correct today. What I published (laughs) yesterday is not correct today. And beliefs that I had yesterday aren't the same today. 
So to hold people to like a time in your life that like you believed in this one thing, but you have since evolved and grown is so toxic and unfair because it's like, you need to let people grow and change and, and give flex to that. And I think people expect perfection from imperfect people and there's not space given. And I try to always encourage that as like space to grow. It doesn't mean that you have to be the person to educate somebody, but it does mean that like you don't need to harass them. You don't need to cyber stalk them. You don't need to, you know, attack them, create fake profiles and write them all the time or send them death threats, all of which have happened to me in like the past week. That's crazy. Um, And you don't need to email them, contact their boss. Like it's just people have been going insane during COVID-19 and like to me it's like very manic behavior and very obvious that it's like a a mental issue but it's hard to take that on and like think about if you have three million people listening in and that you know a certain subpopulation of them have that and it's like it's a lot yeah that's a lot of responsibility and I think a lot of people don't understand that you're a human being yourself and you have feelings and those words can really hurt you know, even though you may oh, not yeah. show it, I think they put you in like a certain level, like, oh, my gosh, you know, she's at this level. So it's probably not even going to face her. And meanwhile, you're like, yes, it does. Like all of these, like they add up and it's really screwed up that you're doing this and saying this. Like it, think about it this way. If we were talking face to face, would you say this in my face? And if you can't say this in my face, then you need to shut up. <laughs> yeah, basically. And that's another thing I'm like. I looked around at my like in real life community and like we get along so well. The issues that we do have, it's like communicated. There's tension, but I've never just like yelled at somebody, harassed them, gone to their house, like gone to their job. Like no, and no one has done that to me in real life either. Um, well, okay. I take that back, (laughs) but, but you know, it's like not as common when I look online, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, this never happens in real life. So I don't know why you think it's appropriate to do this now. And like, what's going to happen when we do see each other in real life. And I'm like, I ultimately, we don't know the mental state of any, every, anybody online. Like everybody's a stranger. So it, it does freak me out where it's like, when you get to this level of like visibility, I'm like having to take a step back and be like, is this sustainable or do I need to hire a team? Mm-hmm. Because I like, this is a lot to take on. And like the more visible you are, the more hate you're going to have to ingest, which sucks because it's like also drowns out all the positive things Mm -hmm. that happen, you know? Yeah. And you have to deal with all of it. So it's instead of like focusing on things that are actually helpful for your community, like you said, you lost a whole week when you could have done something super productive for for yourself and for the following that you have. So I don't know how you do it, Kiona. It's crazy. But you know what? They say, you know, once you get the haters, that's how you know you've made it. I guess so. What about your platform? How does how does it perform? I don't okay, so the funny thing is it's like everyone's just pretty much like nice and they're like like you're giving us all of these information where to find jobs or like how to start a podcast. But the thing is, remember my platform and what I focus on is so different from yours because you take on social issues. I don't know how you do that. Cause like daily you're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure you have all of this, but yeah, the people I have are thankfully, thank goodness are pretty good and yeah, pretty decent human beings. So I'm pretty thankful for that. That's really good. Yeah. I would be like curled up in bed all day if I had to deal with what you have to deal with. That's insane. Yeah, it's really, really difficult. But luckily, the cool, I would say the cool people who end up coming on the trips that we do have like real life education have been so sweet, like so beyond sweet. And I'm like, oh, thank God, like my community also attracts these type of people and it makes me feel good. And the agency that I work through it's just one other one was just one woman. And she was like, literally your clients are like the least high maintenance, so open to learning, never complain, even cancellation. She was like, all my other clients canceled. All of your clients were super flexible. We're like, yeah, just put me on 2021 or whatever, you know? And she was like, that should say something about you yeah. and the communi- community that you've cultivated. And so that makes me feel better. Like I'm not doing, I'm not doing too much to damage because 
if I just listen to like the DMs that I get or the haters that I get, I'm like, it, it is as if I'm like murdering people. Yeah. yeah. So I just have to like, I don't know, like balance, but like then such great things happen. Like for example, um, I posted a thing about the Hmong farmers and the, I think it's called Mian farmers in Seattle were not getting business because of COVID-19. And I posted about how they're, you know, delivering um, bouquets and they made twenty five thousand dollars. Wow, that's amazing! So yeah. that's like that's that's what I mean. Like you actually make an impact. So all of this comes with some baggage, but not enough that you can't. You know, like you're making such a huge thing happen. So, I mean, Kiona, that's an incredible feat to to I do. And people listen to your voice, and I, I think that's the the problem is that when people see that you actually make an impact, they think that they have to tear you down in order for them to be able to go further up in life, and it should be the total opposite. Yeah, for sure, and and it also has checked my own envy, you know, or my own feelings. Like, for example, when I first got on Instagram, I thought it was so tacky of this one educator to ask for money and be like, okay, donate $5 if you liked this thing. I was like, this is so tacky. But I had a job at the time Mm -hmm. and I don't know what her situation was. And then now like my full time is how not to travel. And like, I spend so many hours like researching, educating so much money, traveling, finding those experts, finding those educators, paying them. And now I'm like completely donation based as well, Mm -hmm. or gift based where like, if you liked it, like send a girl some coffee money. Um, and now I'm getting attacked for that. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, that used to be me, right? Like mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever attacked anybody for it. But I did think in my head, like that's kind of tacky, you know, like to ask your followers for money. But also like that was so privileged of me to think. And also I wasn't in her shoes and now I am. And I'm like, yeah, it's hard to get a job in, you know, corporate if you talk about taboo subjects mm-hmm. or if you have your butt on the Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now I am in that position. I'm like, you know what? Why was I so worried about what she was doing? Why didn't I just yeah. worry about myself? Like that was shame, shame on me, you know? <laughs> and so I like, that's an example of like me, like recalibrating and being like, okay, I just need to worry about my own self and my own production and what I'm creating, like what anybody else is doing great for them. That's yeah. not my business. And yeah. so if everybody could else could uh, take that on and being like, you know, you either like what Kiona is doing, you don't like what's Kiona, what Kiona is doing. If you like it sometimes, if you hate it sometimes, that's okay. I hate me sometimes, <laughs> you know, but like, it's not your business mm-hmm. if it's going to take it to a level of like hate. Like if you feel that strongly negatively toward another person, I think that's like a self-reflect time of like, okay, what am I missing in my life or what? blind spots do I have that I feel the need to like think so much about another person and so I think that self-awareness is like really lacking right now especially with a lot of having time it's crazy but also most of the time like if you think something badly about someone it usually lasts for like a few seconds maybe a minute or you'll talk to somebody about it but you don't drag it out for like days and weeks and just start attacking somebody there's yeah. something wrong with that I mean yeah we're all guilty of like you know talking about somebody or not liking what they say but it's another thing when you go a step further and it's like it's nuts but yeah I'm just thankful for for you Kiona and people like you who still keep going even though you have to go through all of this because you have a bigger goal you know you are helping so many people out there and you're actually educating the right way and when you do make mistakes I see Kiona comes back and she admits it not a lot of people are willing to do that they're afraid to do that so that's the thing about Kiona like she'll tell you what's what and then if it's wrong, then she'll tell you it was wrong. If she's right, she'll stick to her <laughs> beliefs and that's it. So that's I think that's the reason why people really trust you because you are really honest and to the point that way and you don't hide what you're doing and who you are and you do what you can. So, I mean, that's all that's all that we can, you know, ask for and hope for. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I think also as Asian creators, we're like one of the onlys or one of the people who have at least have a face of representation in the industries that we are. And like all the times that I'm like, I'm going to quit this. I hate this, whatever. I'm like, 
there's no other Asian doing it. Like I need people to like see my face and like what is crazy about me is like people will be like, I love your page. And then as soon as I start talking about being Asian, they'll unfollow. They think it's disgusting. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's like your own biases, but they don't, they don't connect like this amazing thing that they thought was so positive with me being Asian. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, it's something that I makes me keep going. Cause I'm like, I need people to see me as an Asian person showing up in this world, fighting for others educating people creating content because otherwise like i'm just going to be complaining about the content i want to see instead of the Mm -hmm. content you know that i'm making and i think if i think it's really easy to just give up but it's very important for asian creators to keep going because like no one else is doing it not no one but not enough there yes not enough people at our asian intersections are showing up and I think it contributes to a lot of societal issues um, and misrepresentation of, of Asians and who we are and what we create and our intellect and how we can span so many different things and be multiple things, not just, you know, researchers in a lab or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like we're creatives, we're designers, yeah. we're podcasters, we're educators. We can be on a beach in a bikini. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just it's so weird to me, like what people think of Asian when I, when I ask them, like, what do you think of like Asian people? They like describe all of these strange things that I like do not relate to. And the like stereotypes. I, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm Asian. Right. And they're like, yeah, but I'm like, no, but like, this is what it is to be Asian, you know? And so it's like trying to fill in the gap of like misrepresentation. Yeah. Well, also, I love when you do your butt shots on Instagram, because I think you mentioned this one time. It's like, I think people think you either have to be smart or beautiful, but you can't be both. Or, you know, it has to be like a raunchy thing in order for that to be like, okay, but it's not. And like, you have a doctor's degree, you're a doctor, and you also have a banging body. So why can't you have a both? (laughs) I know. And it's crazy. Like my Asian grandma will be like, well, why you have it, show it off. And she's like, she was like, she was like such a, like a rebel in Korea. And so she's like, I don't have a problem with my daughter showing her, but why should anybody else or my granddaughter? Yeah. And so I'm like, if my Korean grandma says it's fine, like, I don't care about anybody else's opinion. Yeah. I just, I don't understand that either. It's like, I don't understand how that diminishes your intellect and how you are as a person. If you're comfortable with your body, like it makes no sense. Like people get body shamed for being heavy. People get body shamed because they're smart and they're showing you their body. People get body shamed because they say they're too skinny. It's like, come on, this is ridiculous. This is I know. too Just much. Your own business. I <laughs> but I, secretly they enjoy it and they want to see your butt shots. So whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. They like, uh, they get the most likes. So, and also like, I know that, like, I understand like sex sells. I understand like, that's the only way I even have a male at most of my, well, I mean, the thing is only separated into two genders, but you know, most of them are female and I'm like, I bet you these males are only here for the butt shots, but the females are there for the butt shots too. They're like, they love it because it empower, empowers them. Yep. Um, and I, and I know that it gets more likes or more views or whatever because sex does sell. And so therefore I always embed like a really important message in the caption, knowing that it's going to get the most attention. And so like, it also is like a strategic move. And it's like, I don't understand why we aren't allowed to use that. Yeah. Well, a lot of the times people will be like, I can't take you seriously. And I think I've seen those in some of you. I can't take you seriously. When I'm like, really? You can't? Then stop. Like, why are you here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, that says something about you, like not about me. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Or also like even expressing it. I'm like, what was the point of that? Like, you could just unfollow. There's no... Just shut up and go. Bye. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I don't, your follow is not a form of currency to me. So yeah. It's interesting what people will say behind closed doors or behind their laptops or phones or whatever. Yeah. But I will say that I think for Asian creators right now is really difficult for us. Like I think we're getting attacked. I don't know about you, but I definitely have been getting attacked at way higher rates. And I think people are using it as an excuse to be anti-Asian during this time. 
that wasn't there before. Well, it was there before, but it wasn't so. Yeah. Now they think it's okay because yeah. they, I'm sure they've thought, I feel like people who aren't like that would never be like that even during this situation. But I feel like people who thought that way, now they feel like it's okay for them to yes. verbalize it because people are like, yeah. So it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. Yeah. But I have to say, I am glad that they're showing their true colors because now yes. we know who these people are. There's totally. no more curtains. It's all drawn out. We know who you freaking are. And that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. I like have him posting like Asian pride posts and I'll lose like 200 followers in one day. I'm like, you know what? I need to post more of these because yeah. if they're going to be anti-Asian, then there's no point in them being here. Exactly. So. It's true. I'm like, I'm glad now we know who you are and goodbye. It's like, yeah. See ya. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much, Kiona, for being here today. If our listeners want to follow along your journey, where can they find you? On Instagram, how not to travel like a basic bitch. On Facebook, how not to travel like a basic bee. <laughs> Twitter, don't travel basic. And my website is www.hownotttravellikeabasicbitch.com. Awesome. So you'll find her everywhere and all of her content is incredible. Thank you so much, Kiona, for being here with us. I really appreciate this. And it was so nice to talk to you. Hopefully one day we can actually meet each other in person after all of this. I would love that. (laughs) I'm going to give you like a big hug. I'm telling everybody. I'm like, I'm going to give everyone a hug after this. Me it's too. all done. <laughs> me too. I'm touching everybody. I know. I'm like, yes, yes, touch me. I know. <laughs> uh, thank you, Kiona. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening to this special bonus episode. To hear our full episodes, make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com. 